You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. In your Bible, if you will, please, to the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, I want to speak briefly on this issue this evening. It's a question, why baptism? Why baptism? As you know, during these days immediately following starlight, the subject of these messages, basic truths for new believers. Basic truths for new believers. I have the privilege, as these young people did, of leading someone to Christ, as I did this week in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The first thing I want to share with that individual are these basic truths. When our evangelism explosion teams go out and visit, they have the privilege of leading someone to Christ, they hand them a little booklet, which... uh, I wrote some years ago called Basic Truths for New Believers. Now, these messages are not in that booklet, but these truths are contained in a much briefer form in that little booklet. These are things you need to know, every believer needs to know, to get started out right. And you know how you start has a lot to do with how you end, right? And so these are things everyone needs to know. Now, the question this evening, why... Baptism. Look with me, if you will, please, beginning with verse 26, Acts chapter 8. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch under a great, uh, rather of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning... And sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran there to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? You heard a testimony like that just a few moments ago. Nobody's ever been able to tell me how. He said, How can I understand this unless someone should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray you, of whom speaks the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he, that is Philip, commanded, or rather the eunuch, commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water. By the way, if... You have someone who asks you uh, if there are any verses in the Scripture which indicate that besides the fact that the word baptism comes from a Greek word which means to immerse, that indicate that it's by immersion, well, here's one. They both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they'd come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, Passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Why baptism? How many folks here this evening, how many of you 
since you trusted in Jesus Christ. Notice that, since you trusted. Sometimes we say we receive into our church family people who are of like faith and like order. And like faith means that you receive Christ as your Savior by faith. That is trusting in him and him alone. It's not by any works. Like order means that your baptism follows your salvation. You don't get baptized to be saved or to stay saved or to receive the Holy Spirit, but your baptism is something that follows your salvation. How many people here this evening would say, well, preacher, I met Christ as my Savior since that time, since knowing that I have eternal life, I have openly confessed that through the symbol of baptism. How many of you could say that? Raise your hand. That's virtually all of us, but not everybody, I see. And so it could be that this evening you're one who's wondering, well, why should I be baptized? Or maybe you raised your hand and you said, wait a minute now. You said my baptism needed to be after I was saved. What if I was baptized later on came to know Jesus? Do I need to be baptized? Well, you never have been. You never have been. And I'm going to explain that in just a few moments. Father, I pray you'd open our hearts to the Scripture. Teach us from your word in these next few moments. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open to this passage of Scripture now in the book of Acts chapter 8. This week, as I was uh, driving along, my wife and I, in fact, were driving along, I placed into the cassette recorder of that beautiful Suburban that you gave us, and we have enjoyed so much, a tape cassette recording of one of the last messages ever preached by my grandfather at least to a large congregation. Now, he went back to Fort Ives, Arkansas after he preached that message and preached many times in nursing homes and other churches. But this was a message he preached at the age of 90 in the Eastwood Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma to about 11 or 1,200 people that evening, as I recall. He was sharing his testimony, and he shared his call to preach. And then he shared how he was asked to come pastor a little church in Lavaca, Arkansas. And he told how they made preparations for what they call a protracted meeting, that is, a summer crusade, an outdoor crusade. And they built a big brush arbor, and he began to preach. And he told how during that crusade, 177 people came to know Jesus as their Savior. And they went out to a little creek, and they widened it, and they put some stairs in it so people could come down and go out. And he related how in 63 minutes he baptized 107 people. Boy, I mean, can you imagine that? Wilson, I don't, where is Wilson? I don't know if you've ever baptized 107 people in 63 minutes. That's just about wear your, wear your arm out. Now, why should a person who knows Christ and knows that you're not saved by doing something, but by believing in Jesus, why should a person be baptized? Now, the purpose of this message this evening is not to explain why baptism is an ordinance. Remember, we have two ordinances, not sacraments. You don't get saved by doing these. These are ordinances. These are pictures. And an ordinance has an Old Testament precedent, a command of Christ, the New Testament example. You see it being done by the New Testament church. The purpose here is not to explain what's necessary in order for an ordinance to be observed correctly, right mode and the right man, the right purpose or, or meaning, the right authority. That's not the issue here this evening. 
The issue really isn't even to explain why baptism is by immersion. Because you see, the word itself, baptism, comes from a Greek word which means to immerse. There are plenty of other words that mean pour or wipe or sprinkle. And uh, so the issue here is not to argue the method of baptism. The purpose of this message this evening is to encourage you to understand why any believer in Christ should be baptized. And if perhaps since the day you receive Christ as your Savior, the day that you call the day of your salvation or the day of your conversion, if since that time you have not openly confessed Christ through baptism, then this would be a wonderful service for you at the invitation time to come and to tell one of these counselors, look, I know Jesus is my Savior, but I have not been scripturally baptized. You see, the issue is not just whether it's immersive. It has to do with meaning. It has to do with timing. Did it follow your trusting in Jesus as your Savior? Now, with your Bible open to the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to look at some other scriptures, let me just mention three things very briefly to you before we come to the invitation time. Why baptism? Number one, your baptism illustrates what happened to you when you received Christ as your Savior. Let me say it again. Your baptism is an illustration, first of all. It is an illustration. It illustrates what happened, notice past tense, what happened to you when you received Christ by faith as your Savior. Isn't it interesting that this Ethiopian said to Philip, he said, here's some water, why can't I be baptized? Now, where in the world would he have heard about baptism? Well, in the first place, there were 3,000 people at least baptized on the day of Pentecost, and this man was there. And Philip, I'm sure, as this deacon, of course, he was an ordained deacon in the church, the very first, he was one of the first, he was the, one of the first six men ordained as a deacon. And, of course, Philip had been a part of that wonderful day on the day of Pentecost. So he knew about these people being baptized. But let me tell you that baptism was on the scene long before Pentecost. You say, Brother Tom, was it really? Absolutely. You see, the Old Testament precedent for baptism is the rite of circumcision. Just as baptism is a picture of your salvation, circumcision was the Jewish male's picture of the fact that he belonged to God. And interestingly enough, when a Gentile converted over to Judaism, underwent that ritual of circumcision, later on he was publicly baptized. And so baptism for many years had already had attached to it the idea, this signals a change in my life. That's why when people came to John the baptizer and he was preaching and they said, we want to be different people, well, he would baptize them. It wasn't a Christian baptism like we think of. In fact, the book of Acts points that out very clearly. But he would baptize them and their baptism was a way of showing that they were changing. And then Jesus came on the scene and Jesus was baptized of John. Now, your baptism is an illustration of what takes place when you trust in Jesus as your Savior. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 3. Know ye not, says the Apostle Paul here to these believers in Rome, chapter 6, know ye not 
that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, that is, immersed or put into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into his death. In other words, everything that Jesus did, we became a part of it when we were immersed in him. We were baptized into his death. Therefore, we, were, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, Wilson, the Baptist up here, baptized thousands, multiplied thousands of people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love to hear Wilson say that. Then what does he say? Buried with Christ in baptism unto death, raised to walk in newness of life. It is a picture. The old man, the old me has died. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he paid for every sin I ever have, am, will commit. The old man has died. And just like Jesus came about the grave, so I have been raised to walk in newness of life. In other words, I identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. All that Jesus accomplished on the cross, I identify with that. All that it meant when he was buried, I identify with that. All that comes through the resurrection of Christ, I identify with that. My baptism is just a picture of that, that I have been placed into, immersed into, baptized into the body of Christ. The Bible tells us over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, that we are all baptized in one spirit. And so water baptism is just a physical illustration of a spiritual reality. And that's why baptism doesn't make you a Christian. That's why, you know, God's not going to leave your eternal destiny up to how much water is around or whether somebody else does the job right. God's not see to be, you can't baptize yourself. And so if you had to, had to be baptized to be saved, well, then somebody would have to be around to baptize you. And that would make the church or some group or some preacher the arbiter of whether you could be saved. Well, that's not the case. But baptism is a wonderful picture, just like this ring that I wear is a picture. I walked down here a while ago. I just about scared my wife to death. I came walking down. The song service was already started, and I took these little two little fingers. I put them up against her neck, and I went. She jerked. She didn't know that I was out here. I don't know who she thought was going to come up and kiss her, but uh, anyway, she just got startled a while ago. Now, this, this wedding ring is a picture that I'm saved. Or rather, that I'm married. It's a picture that I'm saved, too. It's... Am I saved, sweetheart? I mean, I looked at you and I said, I don't know how safe I am. But this is a picture that I'm married. Now, let me ask you a question. Does it make me married? No. That marriage took place at the marriage altar when I said I do and she said I do and we were pronounced husband and wife. This just shows that I am a married man. I would be married if I were not wearing this ring. But why do I want to wear it? Because I want to openly testify that I am married to this lady down here, that she and I are husband and wife. And so your baptism, first of all, is an illustration of what happened when you received Jesus Christ. By the way, why sometimes when somebody comes to First Southern, they walk down the aisle and they say, we want to join the church. 
And we say, well, that's wonderful. We, we want you to join the church. And we go to the counseling room and we start talking with them. And say, they say, we, we ask, we trusted Jesus? Yes. Well, have you been baptized? Yes. And they'll say, uh, I was baptized. And then they'll name a church that is not a church of like faith and order. Now, now there are some churches that aren't Baptist churches that are of like faith and order. In other words, their faith is exactly like ours. It is by trusting in Jesus Christ, Christ alone, by grace we are saved through faith, that not of ourselves. It doesn't come through baptism or anything like that, and we're saved forever. But you see, they'll come, they'll join and say, well, I was baptized. Well, what, what church? And they'll say, well, such and such a church. They might say like a church of Christ. And uh, we'll say, well, then we would encourage you to receive scriptural baptism. Oh, well, I've been baptized. If you mean being going under the water, well, no, it's more than just going under the water. You see, it's an open illustration. And in that particular church where they were, you see, they believe that you have to do that in order to receive salvation. That is that you go down as a lost person and you come up as a saved person. Also, in that particular group, at least in many of them, they don't believe that when you receive Christ, you receive him forever. And so it is not a church of like faith, that is by faith in Jesus Christ alone, or order, that is that baptism comes after your salvation. So scriptural baptism is an illustration of what takes place when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The old you has died, identified with everything of Christ on the cross, and just like he was raised from the dead, you have been raised to walk in newness of life. Secondly, your baptism when you say, I want to be baptized, indicates that Jesus is Lord of your life. Your baptism indicates that Jesus is Lord of your life. How? Jesus said on an occasion, as a matter of fact, he, he followed this with a wonderful parable of the, the men who built, one on the rock and one on the sand. And the issue, and he says, a man who hears what I say and does it is like a man who builds on the rock. A man who hears what I say and does it not, he says, like a man who builds on the sand. The issue is not hearing or knowing what the Lord wants. The issue is whether you do it. And Jesus prefaced that, for instance, in Luke 6, 46, with this statement. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say unto you? Did Jesus ever say you ought to be baptized? Yes, he did. Let me say in the first place that Jesus was baptized. In fact, one of those wonderful events when all three persons of the Trinity are present, the Son being baptized, the Spirit descending as a dove, the voice of the Father, all evident. And he said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus was baptized. Did Jesus command us to be baptized? Absolutely. Absolutely. He said, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Every once in a while, somebody says, well, that was just for the apostles. That was just for the early church. No, the commission was that they were to teach the next generation everything Jesus taught them. And so Jesus commanded baptism. Did the disciples understand that? Yes. In fact, at one time it says in the Scripture, they went to a certain place to baptize because there was much water there. We see the baptism in the day of Pentecost and then other places in the book of Acts. Now, Jesus said believers ought to be baptized. Now, if you say, but I'm not going to do it, then you cannot in the next sentence say, but Jesus is my Lord. 
because Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not the things I say unto you? You can't imagine what it's like on Sunday to give an invitation. I can always see people who know that there's one area of their life where they have not really surrendered to Jesus. They know that they have not been scripturally baptized. And they look around, they think, well, you know, this would confuse my husband or my wife, or this would confuse my Sunday school class, or this would confuse my friends if I went down and told that preacher that I need to be scripturally baptized. And all that says is that Jesus is not Lord, practically speaking, in your life. Because it says that you're more interested in what a preacher or your friends or your family member or your Sunday school class or your church think of you than Jesus, who is supposed to be your Lord. And he said, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Did he say believers ought to be baptized? Absolutely. Absolutely. So baptism begins to be a big issue. The issue is not whether you get into heaven. The issue is this. If you are on your way to heaven because you have received Christ as Savior and Lord, you would joyfully embrace baptism as a way of showing other people. And so not only is it an illustration of what happened when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, baptism is an indication that Jesus is Lord of your life. And finally this evening, your baptism is an identification. It identifies you as a follower of Christ. Your baptism identifies you as a follower of Christ. Here was this Ethiopian. He said, man, who, who's this man talking about? Is he talking about himself or this other? This, this, this uh, statement here in the book of Isaiah. And Philip said to him, he's talking about himself. This is, this is about Jesus, the Son of God. And he already knew that baptism was the way people identified. He said, well, then stop this chariot and let me go be identified with him. If he was willing to die on the cross for me, pay the price for my sin, if I can receive him by faith. Hey, listen, I want to be baptized. And Philip said, no, wait a minute. He said, let's just clarify it. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If we got that settled, then you can be baptized. You can be openly identified as a believer in Christ. You know, it's interesting to me. It is interesting to me that even in nations where to be identified as a believer in Christ could ultimately mean your death, people who have trusted Jesus still want to be baptized. Right now, there's a man in Kuwait. I think we ought to write the Kuwaiti government and say, look, after all that we've done for you, the very idea that a man who that a man a Kuwaiti citizen has a death sentence on his head because he has trusted in Jesus as his savior i mean we fought for the rights of the people of kuwaiti we all write them and say hey look you know what's the idea of putting to death people who have received christ by faith as their savior now what am i saying i'm saying this you just check it out i have on my desk, testimonies of people who would stand in lines on cold nights so that they could be baptized in countries where it might mean that they would lose their life. And our own church, Steve Eason, and his family lived over in the Mideast for a while. He said while they were there, and they started showing the Jesus film, he said over 1,700 people received Christ as their Savior, and wanted to be baptized. 
You see, it's sort of a goofy thing, isn't it? I mean, you, you come out and you walk down in that water. It's such a contradiction to everything else in the Christian life, isn't it? I mean, everything, there's no ritual, there's no, there's no form, there's not anything. And here in the middle of this, in stark contrast, there is this, there is this strange practice of walking into this water. Why? Because it helps you start out right. It helps you from the very beginning openly identify yourself as a believer in Christ. Not only does it help you, that's why when people are baptized here at First Southern, we always ask you, what did Jesus do for you? And they speak up before they're ever baptized. Well, he came into my heart. He washed away my sin or whatever their testimony is. By the way, I really appreciate this, Wilson. When you're baptizing, if the testimony is not clear, you'll straighten it out. What did he take away? Oh, my sin's good. Now you can be baptized. I mean, he wants to make sure that you got it right. I appreciate that. I just appreciate Wilson Beardsley. As a matter of fact, thank God for you. I really do. I praise God for you. Well, you know, it identifies you. And there's so many, you know, people want to be identified with all kinds of things and all kinds of people. But this identifies you as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. No more important identification in your life. And it is a beautiful and it is a perfect picture. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing left out. And by the way, you know one thing that's good about baptism? Nobody can strut in the baptistry. I don't care whether you're wearing a dress made out of a toe sack or a suit made out of scraps or whether you're wearing a dress that you bought at Neiman Marcus and just had an expensive hairdo. When you come up, you look like everybody else. That's right. You can't strut your stuff in the baptistry. It's just God's way of saying we're just all alike. We're all alike. We're the, we've heard that old saying, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. But I want to tell you something, friend. In the family of God, in this church, there's no room for anybody to think they're better than anybody else. No place to strut your stuff. No place to be pompous. And that's why I love on Sunday morning, look out here. Even tonight, look out here and here's somebody, you know, got degrees out the kazoo, sitting next to a person who, who um, you know, maybe never had the privilege of going to school, period. Didn't even finish high school. And loving on each other and thanking God for each other and seeing the importance of one another. See, baptism identifies you as a member of God's family. Why baptism? It's an illustration of what happened. It's an indication of the Lordship. It identifies you as a member of God's family. That's why baptism. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the privilege of sharing this evening. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the truth of your word, for these wonderful young people, for their testimony and song. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the hundred or so people that they had the privilege of leading to you. I pray, Lord, somehow, some way, they'd get a way to be baptized. Lord, I pray that tonight you would convict the heart of any person seated here this evening who has never been scripturally baptized. 
Lord, just show us the truth. Help us to see that it's more than just going down and coming up out of water. But it's having the right faith, the right belief, and, and having been baptized means it was done at the right time by the right authority, the local church, which would look after and care for and love the people who are baptized at its hand. And Father, I believe tonight there are people here who need to be scripturally baptized who ought to come to this altar and say, you know, Jesus is my Lord, which means I'm not going to balk at anything he says. And I need to be scripturally baptized. There are probably people here, Lord, who were baptized as children, later on as adults, came to know Christ, really understood what it meant to repent of sin, receive you as Savior, never been baptized since. Maybe somebody got saved at a camp. Maybe somebody who's, who, who has no concept of what their baptism meant. Maybe people, Lord, are hung up on the very mode of baptism, whose eyes were open tonight, they see what this picture is. Lord, I just pray that you would bring to this altar anyone tonight who would say, among other decisions that would be made here, I need to be scripturally baptized, because that's the only way. I need to be baptized the Bible way. Now, Father, as we come to this invitation time, bring to this altar every one of us who will say yes to you. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful name your head is bowed your eyes are closed i'm going to ask the praise singers to come to the platform in just a few moments we're going to sing that wonderful invitation to him all to jesus i surrender all to him i freely give i surrender all and this is your invitation a personal invitation from the heavenly father to you i can just verbalize it but i'll tell you this this altar will be open now prayer warriors will be coming counselors will be coming. They'll be here at the front. I'm going to ask when we stand that those of you who've made decisions in recent services, if we've not had the privilege of introducing you yet, just to come and be seated over here where it says seating for new members so that we can introduce you to your new church family. But I believe also there are those tonight who need to come to this altar and find a counselor and say, I need to be scripturally baptized. I know Christ is my Savior, but I need to be baptized like the Bible talks about baptism i see that it's important it's not just something to mess around with fool around it's not something that doesn't make any difference to god jesus has given instructions i want to follow them i want to be baptized scripturally i, I pray that there be many of you who do that if you have any question at all about whether your baptism is scriptural and you want jesus you want to acknowledge him as lord of your life i believe there are those here to whom the lord is speaking about joining this church you may be here tonight for the very first time you may have been here a lot of times well, this is your invitation as an individual, young or old, married or single, as a family, whoever you are. God's brought you to this church. He's taught you here tonight. You sense him in this place. You want to be a part of what God's doing at First Southern. I would urge you, the moment we stand, you just step out of the aisle, make your way forward, find a counselor and say, look, I want to join this church. Look, we want to plant our lives here in this church as people do in every service. I want to become a part of First Southern. They'll go out to a counseling room. There our counselors will visit with you. You'll go on your way tonight knowing you're a part of a wonderful family of God. I also believe in this service tonight that the Lord has spoken to the heart of someone, more than one, and said to you, you know something? You heard those teenagers give those testimonies? They kept asking those questions. Do you know for sure if you died, you'd spend your forever with God in heaven? And God used that simple testimony to speak to your heart. And tonight you'd have to say, I don't know that. 
I do not know that. I hope so. I guess so. I'm trying so. But I don't know that for sure. And you want to know it. And you want to know what it means that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and that he's risen from the grave and that he's alive today. Listen, John said, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The Apostle Paul said the problem is that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But he went on to say the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because as Peter said, Christ is the only one who died for you. Christ also once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. And this is your invitation tonight to come to this altar and say to one of these counselors, I want to trust Jesus tonight. I want to trust Jesus tonight. Your invitation. The altar is open. The counselors are coming. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's stand. I want to lead us in a prayer. As soon as I say amen, we'll just all begin singing this invitation hymn. Some people are already coming. Why don't you just come and join them? Father in heaven, I pray right now trusting that your Holy Spirit will use the simple testimony of these young people. Use the word. Use the music, Lord. All that's taking place here tonight, use it to stir up our hearts to say yes to you. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and matchless name. Amen.